Welcome to Aunt Blanche's Story Corner. I decided to wander away from the Hundred Acre Wood and Winnie the Pooh for a while because it's getting really close to Christmas and I was so excited to find a new source of some Christmas stories that I'm not familiar with. Now they are very vintage, very old stories, but uh, to me, I think most of them have a really wonderful message, and I hope you will enjoy the stories that I have selected. I'm going to start out this episode of Christmas Stories with two pretty short ones, so I hope you'll enjoy both of them. The first is A Brother Like That. A friend of mine named Paul received a new car from his brother as a pre-Christmas present. On Christmas Eve, when Paul came out of his office, a street urchin was walking around the shiny new car, admiring it. Is this your car, mister? He asked. Paul nodded. My brother gave it to me for Christmas. The boy looked astounded. You mean your brother gave it to you? And it didn't cost you anything? Gosh, I wish... He hesitated, and Paul knew what he was going to wish. He was going to wish he had a brother like Paul's. But what he said jarred Paul all the way down to his heels. I wish, the boy went on, that I could be a brother like that. Paul looked at the boy in astonishment, then impulsively added, Would you like to take a ride in my new car? Oh, yes, I'd love that. After a short ride, the urchin turned, and with his eyes aglow, said, Mister, would you mind driving in front of my house? Paul smiled a little. He thought he knew what the lad wanted. He wanted to show his neighbors that he could ride home in a big automobile. But Paul was wrong again. Will you stop right there where those steps are? The boy asked. He ran up the steps. Then, in a little while, Paul heard him coming back but he was not coming fast. He was carrying his little polio-crippled brother. He sat down on the bottom step, then sort of squeezed up right against him and pointed to the car. There she is, buddy, just like I told you upstairs. His brother gave it to him for Christmas, and it didn't cost him a cent. And someday I'm going to give you one just like it. Then you can see for yourself all the pretty things in the Christmas windows that I've been trying to tell you about. Paul got out and lifted the little lad into the front seat of his car. The shining-eyed older brother climbed in beside him, and the three of them began a memorable holiday ride. That Christmas Eve, Paul learned just what Jesus meant when he said, it is more blessed to give. And we all know how to finish out that verse than to receive. And indeed, it is. The next story I would like to share with you is The Man Who Missed Christmas by J. Edgar Park. It was Christmas Eve, and as usual, George Mason was the last to leave the office. He walked over to a massive safe, swung the dials, swung the heavy door open, making sure the door would not close behind him. He stepped inside. 
A square of white cardboard was taped just above the topmost row of the strong boxes. On the card, a few words were written. George Mason stared at those words, remembering. Exactly one year ago, he had entered his this self-same vault, and then, behind his back, slowly, noiselessly, the ponderous door swung shut. He was trapped, entombed in the sudden and terrifying dark. He hurled himself at the unyielding door, his hoarse cry sounding like an explosion. Through his mind flashed all the stories he had heard of men found suffocated in time vaults. No clock controlled this mechanism. The safe would remain locked until it was opened from the outside tomorrow morning. Then realization hit him. No one would come tomorrow. Tomorrow was Christmas. Once more he flung himself at the door, shouting wildly until he sank on his knees exhausted. Silence came, high-pitched, singing silence that seemed deafening. More than thirty-six hours would pass before anyone came. Thirty-six hours in a steel box, three feet wide, eight feet long, seven feet high. Would the oxygen last? Perspiring and breathing heavily, he felt his way around the floor. Then, in the far right corner, just above the floor, he found a small circular opening. Quickly, he thrust his finger into it and felt, faint but unstable, a cool current of air. The tension release was so sudden that he burst into tears, but at last he sat up. Surely he would not have to stay, trapped for the full thirty-six hours. Somebody would miss him. But who? He was unmarried and lived alone. The maid who cleaned his apartment was just a servant. He had always treated her as such. He had been invited to spend Christmas Eve with his brother's family, but the children got on his nerves and expected presents. A friend had asked him to go to a home for elderly people on Christmas Day and play the piano. George Mason was a good musician, but he had made some excuse or other. He had intended to sit at home listening to some new recordings he was giving himself. George Mason dug his nails into the palms of his hands until the pain balanced the misery in his mind. Nobody would come and let him out. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Miserably, the whole day of Christmas went by, and the succeeding night, on the morning after Christmas, the head clerk came into the office at the usual time, opened the safe, then went on into his private office. No one saw George Mason stagger out into the corridor, run to the water cooler, and drink great gulps of water. No one paid any attention to him as he left and took a taxi home. Then he shaved, changed his wrinkled clothes, ate breakfast, and returned to his office where the employees greeted him casually. That day he met several acquaintances and talked to his own brother. Grimly, the truth closed in on George Mason. He had vanished from human society during the great festival of brotherhood. No one had missed him at all. Reluctantly, George Mason began to think about the true meaning of Christmas. Was it possible that he'd been blind all these years with selfishness, indifference, pride? 
Was not giving, after all, the essence of Christmas because it marked the time God gave his son to the world? All through the year that followed, with little hesitant deeds of kindness, with small, unnoticed acts of unselfishness, George Mason tried to prepare himself. Now, once more, it was Christmas Eve. Slowly, he backed out of the safe, closed it. He touched its grim steel face lightly, almost affectionately, and left the office. There he goes now in his black overcoat and hat. The same George Mason as a year ago? Or is it? He walks a few blocks, then flags a taxi, anxious not to be late. His nephews are expecting him to help them trim the tree. After which he's taking his brother and sister-in-law to a Christmas play. Why is he so happy? Why does this jostling against others, laden as he is with bundles, exhilarate and delight him? Perhaps the card had something to do with it. The card he taped inside the office safe last New Year's Day. On the card is written in George Mason's own hand, to love people, to be indispensable somewhere. That is the purpose of life. That is the secret of happiness. Well, I hope you enjoyed these two stories as much as I did. <laughs> really strong, strong reminders of what is really important about Christmas. Giving gifts and showing your love to other people. I hope you'll join me again for another Christmas time story in my next episode of Aunt Blanche's Story Corner.